I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. I'm your host, CEO Chuck Sexton, and today I am joined by Jason Jones, Program Director of Workforce Strategies and National Partnerships for ACT. I appreciate you joining me on the program, Jason. It is a joy. Thank you for the opportunity. Jason and I got to meet a few weeks ago in New Orleans. Um, We were asked, our executive team was asked to come down and do the uh, opening plenary for the ACT Workforce Summit, which we were extremely happy to do. We talk about workforce quite a bit uh, as an agency, as a firm. Uh, We do, uh, when we're doing strategic planning as well, talk a little bit about ACT and the importance of uh, utilizing them in workforce development. So I appreciate you being on the program. Thank you. If you don't mind, give our listeners a little bit of an overview first of, I guess, ACT as a whole, and then you know, kind of get into, uh, we'll talk after that about, about what it is specifically that you do for ACT. Sounds good. You bet. Well, ACT is known for its college entrance exam, the ACT, as a, as a flagship exam, but there are actually a number of different resources available from ACT. We really consider holistically what it takes for not only academic success, but workplace success as well. So ACT launched uh, WorkKeys as a solution back in the 90s, uh, really based on five decades of industrial organizational psychology research. And the WorkKeys system has been now now the go-to system for work-ready communities and uh, a number of different entities where we're in 500 locations and 31 states uh, participating in the economic development solution and then the work keys itself is available basically in any state across the or excuse me any state across the country yeah well obviously you know my background knowing what ACT is was obviously the test and then work ready communities, because that's something, you know, we talked about quite often in the economic development. My son actually just took his last, uh, not, I don't think it's his last shot at the ACT, but he took it yet again last week. 
So I'm curious to see what his score is going to be on that. Absolutely. It's a good combination in terms of areas that are doing both work keys and the ACT. I mean, you get the absolute full perspective on, on both the college side and the career side. But we know there are a number of really talented individuals in the workforce coming out of high schools that already have credentials and maybe even through apprenticeships or other opportunities have, uh, you know, a direct to the workforce type of pipeline that might not involve post-secondary education right away. So that's something that's really important to our organization, you know, again, holistically for a solution for those individuals that may not be doing college at all, or if not at this stage in their lives. I want to hit on some of that too, during our conversation today, maybe some best practices you've seen as Absolutely. far as career pathways go. But if you don't mind, maybe give a little overview of what it is that you do for ACT. So at ACT, we have several different um, options through our workforce program. Our economic development solution is Work Ready Communities, and that's actually what brought me to the organization back in 2017. I served previously as a director of a local workforce board and had a couple of economic development chamber of commerce stints prior to that. But ACT for Work Ready Communities overall, it's the solution of really introducing the concept and, and really training and consulting and becoming partners with local regions uh, in, in their pursuit of becoming a work ready community. So that keeps us very busy, but I also have the pleasure of making some of these connections on a national level such as the Manufacturing Skills Standards Council and their alignment with the WorkKeys National Career Readiness Certificate. It's our goal really to expand the use of WorkKeys primarily from the approach of uh, stackable credentials, thinking about the credentials that are important to specific industry sectors and then having alignment with those credentials and the levels of the work keys in CRC that's actually going to help our certificate holders increase the rate that they pass the technical credentials at the same time. So that's been some of the, the really neat work that I've uh, that I've done at some of the national levels recently. One of our newest partnerships that's in progress now is with CompTIA and their uh, IT type of credentials, their data fundamental credentials, some of those that we'll be working with, that will be producing alignment studies as well to show levels of work keys that are can be good predictors of success in that particular credential and then really open us up to a host of work in the IT sector as well. Well, and from a site selection standpoint, obviously, um, labor is a, a huge issue right now. I saw an article last week from um, this, well, it wasn't from the Site Selectors Guild, it was about a um, a survey they did of the Site Selectors Guild. And talent was the number one issue for office projects, uh, but they said that it was only um, the number one issue for 4% of manufacturing projects. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, just from the standpoint of what we're seeing from our site selection projects right, right now. We've got eight site selection projects out there currently. And, you know, labor is the number one issue. Now, right, I do agree so with the fact that site matters, because if you don't have a site, then it doesn't matter what your labor um, pitch is. But at the end of the day, it, everybody's talking about labor. Every meeting I'm in, we were with one of our site selection clients earlier this week, uh, kicking off, getting ready to kick off their RFI process. And again, labor, labor, labor is the big issue. And so it's finding an appropriate site and and then obviously being able to meet those labor standards and 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 from a talent standpoint long term. I noticed that a lot of bigger companies, we had um, CEO of Saffron USA on the podcast last week. And, you know, they're a large global company. And so their projects, larger companies like that, obviously want to be closer to the larger population centers because they really think long, long term about talent uh, acquisition into their companies. So 
from your standpoint, uh, are you seeing communities doing a good job right now of being better prepared from a work ready standpoint? Um, are you seeing more communities jump on board with with the work ready certifications? We really are. I think the demand is increasing simply because all things considered, if if the, uh, competing sites are equal, as you mentioned, they meet the basic criteria of the site, the infrastructure, you know, transportation access and so forth. What really becomes the great differentiator then will be workforce. And we do know that this remains fiercely competitive in, in terms of the locations that are available that, that could be viable options. So communities are now post-COVID really reevaluating some of their strategies looking at the ideally looking at the focus of what industry sectors are, are going to produce the best return for their future and then starting to fine-tune those uh, strategies and then where it becomes uh, a benefit with work ready communities then they're able to demonstrate that alignment through the work key system and show pinpoint right down to the skill level of work keys that will be a necessary fit for that specific occupation get that alignment actually demonstrated first and then be able to quantify the, the volume of that workforce with that specific skill in the area as well. It's been a very huge competitive advantage for communities to be able to, to demonstrate that. And, and again, for areas that lack that level of detail, it, it becomes a liability uh, in, in certain circumstances. What do you think is the most difficult metric for a community to, to hit when it comes to getting the certification as a work-ready community? In many cases, the most difficult metric would be the education metric of the emerging workforce. And that will be for areas particularly that do not have a dedicated funding stream, maybe in their state or within their region or location where work keys is made available. Those resources are made available in the education system in addition to maybe just the workforce development system for adults. So oftentimes it might be that either or you might have an area that's very strong on the emerging workforce and then weaker on the transitioning workforce because they don't have the integration with adult type of education and uh, training programs, or it could be the exact opposite. It'll typically be one or the other, and it'll be related to just how well they can, they can demonstrate that alignment. We do have some locations that say that it may be difficult to meet the current workforce goal because they think that's just solely based on incumbent workers and how often might workies be used with incumbent workers in terms of evaluating for uh, decisions related to promotions or related to launching new training initiatives in the company and so forth. But one thing that's helpful to remember as as much as we depend on on some of these labor market statistics, there, there are occasions where they're not super helpful. And, and this is one of those occasions where the the underemployed workforce is not measured well in, in most places. It's going to be the working poor, basically. You know, they won't show up in unemployment rates because they're working at least part time. But you have these situations where the wage potential may not be may not be being met individually or they're not even in an occupation for which they were trained uh, to excel in as well. So that's that's something that's worthwhile to consider is that underemployment, both for the standpoint of, you know, meeting that consideration of the current workforce goal to be a certified work ready community, but also really to help quantify the available labor pool when it comes to the underemployed individuals and counting them as available labor, um, you know, for an opportunity that that would present itself for the community in the future. Well, I think that combined with understanding your labor participation rate and knowing, okay, are we 10 points below the national average on labor participation? And if that's the case, you're, you're not capturing all of those people in the unemployment rate either. And so 
being able to quantify what that can do from the standpoint of available labor, I think is, in, is important for most communities as well. So I was in a rural area uh, doing economic development and, and that area was, you know, 20 points below the national average on labor participation. And so there was a mix of issues and reasons why that was the case. But there was, you know, a, a big part of that was, you know, folks who had lost their jobs in the coal industry, uh, but had not, you know, maybe they they were dissociated from uh, employment. They weren't in the workforce anymore. Right. There weren't opportunities for them to be in there, but they weren't coming out in the unemployment rate either. And so it's been, it was being able to identify those people and quantify their skill sets for, you know, targeted industries. Um, as far as the, the work ready certification goes, um, is there maybe a way that you could kind of describe for, you know, the folks out there who listen, who may not be a work ready community, what it entails in, in obtaining that certification? Absolutely. So it's really dependent upon a skills-based hiring approach, which is the, the modern best practices that companies are turning to now, where they're, you know, stopping or discontinuing or at least reducing the use of some of these outdated labor market factors like specific degrees or years of work experience, uh, you know, losing the pedigree and focusing really on the potential of someone to learn new skills and, and to thrive on the job. So we do that through the WorkKeys, quantify that anyway, through the WorkKeys National Career Readiness Certificate. And when you hear us refer to WorkKeys NCRCs in terms of a work-ready community location, which is a county-level location or county equivalent, if you will, location based on how labor market data is tracked for the most part for a lot of these publicly funded workforce development programs. Um, but the WorkKeys NCRC is really at the heart of the goals that we use to quantify the workforce. That emerging goal, of course, being the pipeline of high school and college completers. The current workforce, as we explained earlier, incumbent workers and, and the underemployed showing up in that, uh, in that measure as well. And then the transitioning workforce being those adults or those new to the workforce for a number of different reasons It may be um, overcoming a layoff, they were out of the workforce for a while, maybe they transitioned off of welfare into a sustainable career. We have returning military that uh, fall into the transitioning workforce and even those that are completing the WorkKeys National Career Readiness Certificate and even some of their industry credentials as a pre-release from the correction system as well. So returning citizens ultimately being a part of what's counted in the transitioning workforce. And then that fourth metric is a league of supporting employers. These employers basically say, hey, we see the value of the work keys NCRC. And some employers may even want to go above and beyond that and uh, and recommend that their candidates bring a work keys NCRC for, you know, some higher um, priority consideration in, in those openings as well. Um, those are the basic four goal requirements. What we really look for at, at ACT is a good active local task force that has all of the workforce ec ecosystem partners well integrated because we find that those initiatives cannot be successful without the community really being on one page with its workforce strategies using a common language as far as credentials are concerned and and uh, available labor and the like and much of what you would probably look for as as you're prospecting different communities around as well if, if that uh, local ecosystem is not cohesive and responsive then you know it's not only not going to be a successful work ready community but it wouldn't be a successful location decision either because ultimately that employer's needs would they'd be very fragmented on the local level there wouldn't be data tracking and the like and so those ultimately are the success factors and in, in what we see in certifying designating those work ready communities do you see workforce investment boards as as a linchpin 
for true success in sort of getting that task force together and making sure that it's cohesive and working in the community? Absolutely. I think workforce boards are in a very good uh, shape, especially if they're among the higher performing workforce boards that are benchmarked around, um, you know, their integration and and their uh, involvement and, and cohesiveness with economic development and the like. Uh, we do find that there can be a number of different models. And in some areas, the workforce board um, in, in the example of maybe where a county is, is somewhat distant from the, the center or the, you know, the hub of that workforce area, it might be the community college or even a regional planning commission could be in a, in a better position to serve, especially the more rural communities that would be separated from that hub. But it, it's all dependent upon really what works for the, the structure of that community sometimes. And, and I can even say this being the case in Jasper County, Missouri, we were the first in uh, the nation to be certified as a work ready community, but we were doing so at the at the same time that we were recovering from the big Joplin tornado after 2011. So yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. So it made sense for the workforce board to to kind of be the lead organization, even though the Chamber of Commerce and the Combined Economic Development Group really was running, you know, driving the bus in, in terms of the recovery strategies overall. It's just a matter of finding the champions and which organization of those champions would be best equipped to, to move the, the effort forward. So there are a number of great models that in, in terms of which organization could lead the effort, but uh, regardless of what organization organization, you know, might be providing some of that technical or administrative support, it, they, they can't do it without, you know, a workforce board cannot be successful without strong economic development and a community college can't be successful without the employer tie-ins that, that often a coalition through a chamber of commerce or EDO would be able to provide as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. You know, as we said in the plenary session, um, you know, from a site selection standpoint, it's, it makes our job a little easier when we see a community that's already got the work ready certification. Um, yes. Because the, the things that go hand in hand with the work ready certification are things that we're looking for in communities anyway. Absolutely. It, it's really about, you know, you hit a couple of points earlier. One was 
making sure that you have essentially that ecosystem and that backbone in place for employers to have a talent pipeline long-term. Cause that's the thing they always ask for is talent pipeline. They're always asking, uh, especially more nowadays, uh, they want to know how many high school kids do you have graduating every year, not just in your community, but within counties surrounding the community where they're looking to locate. Uh, and then of course the recruit screen and train. I mean, you know, if you're in a community and you want to talk about workforce development and making sure that a, a company understands it succinctly, be, be able to talk about recruit, screen, and train, and here's how we accomplish that. And I think the communities who have the work-ready work, work ready certification can put that across to a private manufacturer, private business a lot easier than those who may not have it. Have you seen, from a best practice standpoint, what have you seen across the country that you think really shines when it comes to talent pipeline from, you know, secondary school, K K-12 into uh, whether it's technical training or community college or even going to university, that's sort of got a really good um, handle on career pathways. Yes, most definitely. And pathways is the, the best way to describe it in, in the sense of having the stages of the pathway aligned in a way that would make sense. In essence, credentials are the currency of, of human capital, basically how we're defining the value of skills and, and then credentials can, can contain skill levels as well. And what's really unique about this best practice approach is that, as you mentioned, kind of the recruit screen train um, pieces of, of the process, when it comes down to being able to really pinpoint exact numerical levels of, of the work keys assessments that are involved, kind of that zero through seven level, how those are directly aligned to an occupation really helps provide a diagnostic in terms of the individual uh, performance ability of that candidate and how they would be, be able to perform on the job. So that allows uh, any, you know, an employer or a, one of the employer-facing serv service providers to really customize the, the, the strategy for that particular candidate in order to meet or exceed those specific levels. So when it comes to the screen part of the process, you're getting a very useful diagnostic on that individual that will actually help you customize or, or even make some tweaks on the train portion of what you mentioned um, that, that would bring that individual up to speed and, and levels of productivity and compliance much more quickly than, you know, say you lack that diagnostic on every employee that's coming in. I think that be it the different ways that, that are accomplished in that alignment, and, and we'll talk about kind of some good career pathway uh, movement practices, if you will, too, um, along the way. But I think what's really helpful is, is just think about the diagnostics and how we value the information that we get right from our healthcare tests. Uh, it's important for a doctor to diagnose us correctly that that physician is using diagnostics from our labs and scans and whatever those instruments would be. Um, you know, we wouldn't want a doctor saying, oh, I'm just going to kind of take a guess or spin a wheel and, and kind of see what happens. I mean, no, they're going to look at those diagnostics. And so it makes just as much sense for an employer to put as much value into the diagnostics of the candidate um, that, that's coming out in the, in the process too. I think another way to look at it, and I've been explaining it recently, is that the product formula for a company is very protected, in fact, sometimes even secret, but very much followed to the letter. As much as the product formula is important to a company, then the formula and the processes to get the most out of the workforce would should be just as valuable. Um, you know, a company would would probably move if they no longer had access to the raw material or the infrastructure that they they grew up knowing to have. 
uh, they'd have to find a new location. And so thinking from, you know, a, a retention and expansion standpoint, as well as attraction, it's really the diagnostics that are setting these communities apart. They use the numbers to tell a story, but what's really setting them apart is that they have numbers to begin with. When many economic developers, development practitioners really lacked that empirical evidence when they were trying to win projects in the past. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, you know, if the raw materials weren't there, they wouldn't be there. Um, exactly. That's happening right now with labor. Uh, we have a couple of companies sure. we're talking to currently from a site selection standpoint, and it's not to add a new facility. It's because an existing facility is having such a problem with labor that they need to find another place to be. And so I, I think that trend may continue for a time. Uh, hopefully the country gets a handle on uh, the labor shortage as it is today. Um, and there's several ways I think that that can occur. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, communities from a preparation standpoint, we talk a lot about site preparation. We talk a lot about, um, you know, being prepared to win, having your value proposition ready for when you get an opportunity to, you know, on a site visit with a company. But just as important as making sure they're prepared from a workforce standpoint, making sure they have that narrative down, making sure that they actually have the cohesion within the community and they're ready uh, to take care of those companies. And so, um, you know, when it comes to sort of looking out into the future, what would you say? Do you have any predictions? Do you have any thoughts on what, what's going to go on with this labor shortage that's happening across the country right now? That is an interesting one. And there's so many challenges uh, related to child care and transportation access in, in some areas uh, that, that, you know, there just seem to be, yeah, insurmountable uh, barriers. But the ones that we can really think about uh, would be the, the ones related to the skills gap, of course, and employers that can make worksite improvements that are going to make them more competitive workplaces as well. But thinking of the skills gap and looking to the future, getting very specific about credentials, um, employers getting very specific about the way that they that the way that they purchase labor, basically. Um, they have those specifications, as we mentioned, for raw materials and for formulas and the like, but they need to have that level of specificity when it comes to the labor that they're trying to develop or, you know, pull out of the candidate pipeline, but even most definitely work with partners within the workforce ecosystem to really develop that future source of labor. I think one other promising practice, and it ties back to our question on career pathways too, that, that really makes this a smooth uh, journey, if you will, for economic development as well, is even uh, as an example, the new supply chain automation certification from the Manufacturing Skills Standards Council that has already been aligned and studied with work keys levels. And so we can recommend you can actually download our research. It's available to the public and you can kind of see what levels of work keys will enable an individual to be prepared to pass, have that cognitive ability, if you will, to prepare and pass those certification credentials, which then is helping those uh, with that being such a fast growing sector, um, supply chain and, and logistics and automation and everything involved, um, that's kind of even, you know, we're seeing that even become and a lot of our work ready communities growing faster than even some new manufacturing operations at the same time. Uh, you may not be able to get a manufacturing outfit, but maybe you're in a good location to get, you know, because of interstate proximity or whatever the case be, something in logistics. And there are ways that you can use those work keys levels to, to really identify and, and predict success of individuals on the job. That's ultimately a revolutionary concept for those 27,000 employers nationwide that support the work keys in CRC and those work ready communities.
Well, I've even seen some rural areas who've gotten very large distribution operations because they may be centrally located. They may not have an interstate. Right. It may be centrally located to a, a decent sized population. Indeed. And so, you know, that uh, you're like you're talking about that automation's happening in the distribution sector. Um, I, I've got a client of ours that makes the um, they make the, the railings that the robots in the Kroger distribution centers run on. Excellent. So, you know, there, it's an extrusion process, but, you know, you're continuing to see that in all these different operations and automation is going to continue. Uh, but that that in and of itself increases the. Uh, needs for certified workers that can work on all those different pieces of automation. Most definitely. You're going to see will only be increasing in the yeah. future. I mean, that, that much we can, uh, can, can be 100% certain. Fewer employees, higher skill sets and higher wages. And right. so, you know, that's going to continue. Now I want to, I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you because one, if they're interested in, you know, having a work ready community and getting that certification that, but you also have a podcast of your own. And so I'd like to, you know, make sure you promote that while you're on with us. So thank you so much. And in fact, we we've had you guys on the podcast as well. It's the ready for work podcast from ACT. And it does have a quite a specific focus in, in terms of the workforce ecosystem and, and those uh, intersections and, and best practices, uh, voices of excellence that kind of come from the work that we see out of workforce agencies, community colleges, chambers and economic development organizations, and CareerTech Ed in the K-12 system as well. So we feature a number of different topics. Economic development is a common topic on our podcast, but we also do a lot in, in uh, specific areas of training and development and industrial organizational psychology research and a bunch of other fun topics too. But one of the benefits, and I think this is the case with Next Move, I mean, there are a number of, of episodes now that have been published that we oftentimes, when someone calls us, say, hey, I need to know how to set up a, a strategy for returning citizens. We can refer them directly to a podcast episode <laughs> and it kind of becomes that tutorial. So um, it, it is fantastic uh, to for you to offer that um, awareness for us as well. We appreciate that. Our website is workreadycommunities.org. And if you'd like to get more information, we have one single email address that will reach the entire team. And that is WRC at act.org. Okay, great. I appreciate you sharing that with uh, with our audience. I do have an idea for a guest on your podcast. I'll have to I'll have to email that to you. Perfect. She works for a Workforce Investment Board that I think is one of the best in the country at making sure to connect employers appropriately with yes. skilled workers, but also utilizing federal grant dollars to really um, you know make their program, uh, elevate their program so that they can assist those employers. So I'll send that information to you as well. Is there anything we didn't cover on the podcast today that you'd like to talk about? I always like to give my guests the last word. The future is very bright if you're prepared. And there's certainly a lot of scary change going on, but those organizations and regions that are really putting their best foot forward, uh, showing empirically how they're doing that, demonstrating that competitiveness, they stand to benefit a lot if they have uh, their targets in order and they're reaching the right markets. And ultimately, what we hope to do through Work Ready Communities is really help them showcase uh, their workforce cohesiveness and their readiness in, in order to be successful with these projects as well. I couldn't agree more. You know, it's all about being prepared because there's opportunity coming and the communities who are prepared are the ones who are going to grab that opportunity. So definitely. Uh, I want to thank you again for having our executive team down at the ACT Workforce Summit, in New Orleans. It was great experience. We, we met so many wonderful people uh, while we were down there. Uh, people who have passion for their communities, have passion for their workforce in their communities, but it all leads back to seeing growth. 
And so, and that's what we're about at Next Move Group, obviously, uh, is helping to create economic growth for communities, companies, and nonprofits all over the country. So we always appreciate partners like you all. And, uh, you know, again, uh, if there's ever anything we can do to continue to assist ACT's mission, please let us know. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the work you all are doing in terms of uh, help demystifying this process for communities and their leaders. It's uh, it's not easy. If it were, we would have all done it yesterday, right? So right. thank you for the good work of Next Move Group as well. And it was a joy to have you at our summit. It was very well received. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Jason. And we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with a new guest on the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast.